Welcome to the Parent Coach Podcast, where family problems are simplified. I'm your host, Brant Noe. I'm a licensed clinical social worker that has specialized working with children and families throughout my career. The intent of this podcast is to help you simplify the challenges you're facing at home, build your self-awareness and insight, offer you advice, ideas, and teach you skills to develop healthy and effective relationships with your children so that you can have hope for their future and the confidence that you can deal with all the challenges that come with growing up. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brent Noe, and I hope you're having a good week. We're going to have a follow-up from my daughter about how things went with her friend. After that, I'm going to follow up on a conversation I had this morning with a parent about how to apply the right consequences. And and I think this is an important topic, and it's an important topic that actually I'm, I'm in the, currently writing my next class on because I think it is so important. But first, let's follow up with Adeline. All right, so we're back with Adeline today to get a follow-up to see how our conversation with her friend Sally went. Adeline, how are you doing today? Great, actually. I had really fun in school today. That's, I'd love to hear that you had a great time in school. You seem to really enjoy learning. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So today we're going to do a follow-up about how, after our last conversation, there were some things that that I kind of gave you advice on, on to go back to your friend Sally and, and talk with her about your how you were feeling and also kind of set up a system for you and her to give feedback to each other so that it's easier for you guys to work on the relationship. How did it go? It went great. So we had the conversation and we kind of made like a plan. So one day, one person decides something. And then maybe if, if it's like, let's say, because me and her, uh, Sally like to chase boys together. Um, like, let's, it's really fun. So instead of doing something else that the next day where Sally would pick it or I would pick it, we just keep on chasing boys because it's super fun. So if it's really fun, we'll just stay on doing that. So, again, when you guys find things that you like together, it seems like things go really well. That's good. But I really like that you and Sally were able to negotiate how to pick turns and decide who's going to be the leader. How has that worked out with your friendship over the last week and a half? It's actually it's been really good. So, um, me and Sally, so sometimes, like how I said in the last one, we get in fights. We've actually only kind of gotten one, but it wasn't. She just got, like, mad at someone. Oh, so she wasn't mad at you? Yeah. Okay. It was actually really nice. And was was she able to talk to you about why she was mad? Uh, no, she was just like, I was like, Sally, what's wrong? And she just, like... Just kind of scowled, so I was like, okay, maybe she's not in that area where she's ready to talk about it yet. Well done, lady. Well done. So it sounds like you things between you and Sally are going good. You guys have come up with a plan on how to dictate who gets to be in charge. Um, so now the next step is developing that relationship where where Sally feels good enough to kind of tell you when she's hurting. But I'm really proud of you for being able to see that moment that she's hurting and realize that that what she's struggling with isn't about you. So things are going good? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for the update. I hope everyone enjoys it, and I'm sure we will catch up with you again soon. Mm -hmm. So to start off with today's podcast, I'll start off by saying that I think the the right way to frame this is, is just around the idea of discipline, because what, at the end of the day, we're intending to do is, as parents, is that we want to develop kids who have discipline who have the ability to not make the expedient decision, but we want them to be able to make the prudent decision. And that means they have to have 
a level of self-control. They have to have a level of decision-making and, and they have to be responsible enough and able enough to be held accountable to those decisions. And, and that's part of this process of growing up. These are the things we're learning. And so I'll give you a little brief overview is that I was working with a pair today and they were talking to me about their six-year-old son who is struggling with some impulse control. And not in a way that sounds ADHD by any means, but just in a way that a normal five to six-year-old often has difficulty thinking through their decisions. And so what happens for five and six-year-olds is they live in the now and they make decisions about what they think is going to make them feel better. And that makes sense because a lot of adults do that too. And so the goal is, is, well, how do we help him become the kid he's supposed to become? And I should start off by saying, in regards to this conversation, and in my conversation with this parent today, nothing about her kid was good or bad. The, the situation is just one that is. It is a developmental challenge of growing up. And so she's now facing this developmental challenge of growing up. And so the question is, how do we parent to these challenges? And that's really what all of this and, and the course on parenting I wrote is about is how to help you navigate all of these different challenges in a way that you feel confident and and comfortable enough with the decisions you're making to know that you're having a positive impact and helping your child reach their potential. So none of this is about your child being bad. I will say if I had to come up with a definition of what was bad and someone is asking, well, what do you think bad is? Bad is, in my head, is that when you pause think about the consequences of your actions and make the decision to do it anyways. That's when it's bad, especially whether you knowingly hurt yourself or you hurt someone else, knowing that it was going to do that and you do it anyways. So generally when I'm talking about someone who makes a bad decision, that's what we're talking about. The best way I think to frame these conversations is not about good or bad. It's about acceptable versus unacceptable behavior. Because there are parents who accept some behavior. There are, uh, there are parents in, that I have, friends of ours, that let their kids do things that I would never let my kids do. And I, we often talk about that with my children, is when they see a, a kid and a, a dad rough, roughhousing and wrestling and kind of play fighting with, with each other. And they look at me and go, well, well why don't we do that? And, and I say, because I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it sets a good tone for what, how I, I want to raise you. And so you can have differences about what is acceptable and unacceptable. And so a kid can engage in, in a behavior and it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that we choose not to accept that behavior as something we're willing to do. And I'm sure there are things that people might find that I do that's unacceptable. But my wife and I have made a decision that we think something is acceptable. Uh, and that's okay by me because there's a structure in place. There was a decision made somewhere along the way that my wife and I deemed a behavior or like whether or not we get donuts probably every other weekend, we deem that as acceptable. And there are some people who deem that as unacceptable. It's not good or bad. It just is. So that's the right way, I think, is to frame when we're talking about how do we develop our kids to be disciplined. I really do think we it's best to frame this conversation away from good versus bad and versus what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So I hope that helps make sense. And, and I think that process is laid out in, in kind of four separate steps. So the first one we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about developing an internal locus of control. 
we want them to be able to pause long enough to actually get to the decision-making part. We're going to teach them how to actually make decisions, which is a process. And then we're going to help them be held accountable for that process. And then we're going to get to the last step, which is asking the most important question of what do they need to learn? So by nature, kids are impulsive. And what impulsive means is that they, they act often on impulse. They don't actually think through the decision they're going to make and they just make the decision. They feel they want a piece of candy, they get a piece of candy. They want to do this, they do this. They want to hit somebody, they hit somebody. I think young kids often, and even some older kids, I think often they uh, respond and react so quickly and so fast because that's what the brain's programmed to do. They often aren't thinking about the consequences of their behavior. They're not actually making a conscious choice. And that means if they're making an unconscious choice, that whatever that unconscious choice is either A, it is just impulsive because they're kids or they haven't developed that yet, or they're making an unconscious decision where they actually aren't thinking through and they're on autopilot. They're making pre-programmed decisions based off their life experience. So I generally try to stay as far away from judging something as good or bad as possible and looking at something for what it is. And that happens a lot. It happens to all of us in some way or form. There are plenty of decisions I make that are pre-programmed decisions. And part of my journey is trying to unprogram some of those decisions so that I can think through them and actually make what I would argue is better decisions. So the first thing you want to do, if we're going to talk today about the guidance I gave to this parent, and I think would be helpful for you, is really is that we want to address a child's ability to actually be able to stop before they act. because. You can't just expect a kid to make a decision. It's not the way it works. You actually have to program that skill into who they are. With a six-year-old, you're in first grade, kindergarten or first grade, and you're going to probably need the teacher's help with this. This is one of the reasons if you can partner with your teachers, teachers can be such strong assets in helping your kids grow. If you really want to take a a good assessment about where your child is, you probably have heard about the marshmallow experiment where they, they put a little kid in a room and they put a marshmallow out on the table and they said, hey, listen, if you can sit for 10 minutes and not eat this marshmallow, then when I come back, I'll give you two marshmallows. They put the kids in the room for 10 minutes and they videotape these kids in this room while they waited. Now, some kids grab that marshmallow quick as can be, and some kids made it all the way to the end. A lot of kids struggled with it and eventually gave in. Honestly, it is developmentally appropriate for a five and a six-year-old. Some kids will be able to withstand and not do it. And so if your kid doesn't, if they take the the marshmallow right away, or with the the parent I talked to today, we talked about a lollipop. That's her son's favorite treat is a lollipop. She's like, if he takes that right away, then we, then you are struggling with something and you have to work on that internal locus of control. You have to get them to stop and not do that first because they can't even access the parts of their brain that are going to help them make decisions until they, they learn just to stop. And that's just an important skill all of in itself. And so to, to get kids to stop, there are plenty of steps you can take to do this. You can use prompt. You can use your physical presence. If if I want my kid not to do something, then I stand close to them. And what happens is then they make better decisions. And even if you do this, let's say you use what's called proximity control. Let's say you use proximity control and you stand next to them and then they don't take it for 10 minutes. 
all you're doing is rewarding them for the fact that they didn't take it for 10 minutes. There was something, you know, it's you, but there was something that, that they then have enough control to not take the treat for 10 minutes with you standing right there, which means that it shows they have some modicum of control. And so you're going to want to build that out over time. So maybe you're going to stay with them for, at first for 10 minutes and they're not going to do it. You're going to high five them and say, great job. Look what you just did. You did it. You stayed 10 minutes without eating the treat. Great. Okay, we'll try this again tomorrow and let's see if we can, and, and we'll see if we can do another 10 minutes. And then you give them the second marshmallow because you promised you would, or the second treat because you promised you would. And then maybe the next day you go away for one minute and then come back for the last nine and see what happens and see if they can do it. And then again, once they do it, high five. Look what you just did. And then you can build that skill out until they can be in the room with the marshmallow or the treat, whatever it is, for 10 minutes. And so it's a skill that you're going to build towards, that they have that ability to have an internal locus of control. And once you build that internal locus of control, then you're going to want to generalize it to other areas of their life. So with this kid in particular, he has difficulty sitting around in circle time. Okay, so then you're going to take that ability and you're going to see if he can then sit there and stop and not act impulsively during circle time, which then gets him in trouble and turns everything to hell in a handbasket on a rocket ship. So once you can develop that internal locus control, then you're great. Now you can work on decision-making because they have the ability to stop. So the second step would be teach them how to make decisions. Now, this is going to be a process because you can't expect a kid just to start thinking through their decisions. You have to work that with them. So if we go back to the kid in the, in the impulsive kid in the desk, let's say he stops. And so he stops and he can control it. He control it for 10 minutes and then he eventually acts out in class and, and gets the other kids riled up. Well, then, okay. So then the question I would ask when he got home would be something like, tell me about circle time or carpet time today. And the kid might say, well, I distracted my peers and I got up and I was playing around. Okay. Now, the behavior is not good or bad. It's unacceptable. And so this is where you're going to start this conversation on why it's unacceptable. You're going to try to teach him to think about the future because A, the younger they are, their brains aren't built for that. And so you're trying to build into your child's capacity, their ability to think into the future because you cannot make a decision unless you can think about the where you're at now and where you want to go to. So that kid with the marshmallow has to be able to sit there and not just withstand the impulse to take the marshmallow. That's what the stopping's for. But at some point they have to realize that if I don't take the marshmallow, then I get a second marshmallow. And it's that ability to think into the future that really allows for decision-making. Because if you can't think into the future more than a few minutes, and let's say the, the reward you want is an hour away, well, then you can't think far enough in advance to realize that my behavior right now is going to have a negative impact later. Awareness of time really does play a role in your child's ability to access the parts of their brain that are going to help them make decisions. 
So if your kid can't think more than 20 minutes outside of them and you set a reward for an hour outside of them, then, or a consequence an hour outside of them, then neither the reward or the consequence are going to move them in a direction. So part of what you need to assess for is when you're trying to help them think through the decision-making is how far can the reward slash consequence be out until it's something that actually motivates them to make a change. So we'll talk about consequences a little later because we want to develop discipline, but I would argue against being overly disciplined with your kids because if you discipline them too much, then you're not going to get to the last step, which is what is it they need to learn? So we want to help them a learn just to focus and have an internal locus of control that says I can withstand this impulse for a short enough period of time that would allow me to make a decision, which means it will allow me to think into the future far enough that I might be motivated by the reward or by the consequence to change my behavior. And that's what a decision-making is. And then once they can think about that, then they actually are the ones making a decision. The last thing I want to say about decision-making is about the process of it. So the first time your kid comes home and they, and you ask them about the decision they made and they said, well, I really didn't think about it. That's the clue that they aren't making the decision in the way that you want them to. That means that they need you then to re-rehearse that same principle over and over again until they get it. So for the kid who's impulsive at carpet time, when he comes home, it's not even that you want him, when you ask him, tell me about carpet time today. And he says, well, I acted out. Tell me why you made that decision. And if he were to say, I don't know, I would actually believe him at that moment that he does not know. Where you want to get him to say is, well, I thought about it and I was really just, I was more excited to play with my friends. That means he's making a decision. And now you can say that his behavior is unacceptable. Now it's easy to say, okay, well, let's talk about why that's unacceptable. And now you want him to think through the consequences of his decision or the outcomes of his decisions, because that's the piece again, looking into the future. And he's got to be able to accept then the outcome of his decision, which leads us then into the third step, which is hold them accountable for those decisions. So if my child were to come home and say, yeah, I knew that I'd get in trouble, but I really wanted to engage in this behavior anyways. If I don't hold them accountable for that decision, what I am telling them by, that by the decision I'm making is that their behavior is acceptable, which it is not. And this is where we get ourselves in a ton of trouble with kids, is once it comes time to actually hold them accountable for their behavior, for lots and lots of reasons, our own histories, our own shame, our own guilt, we refuse to take that next step. We refuse to hold them accountable for their behavior, but it's the holding them accountable for their behavior that reinforces the idea of the importance of them thinking into the future to make a good decision. Because if they're not going to be held accountable for the decisions they make for their behaviors and their actions, then the challenge becomes is that the, the future is then unreliable. And if it's unreliable, then they don't know what to expect. So then what's the purpose of future thinking if you can't anticipate the future? There's no importance then of doing that. So then 
it reinforces the notion that you should just live in the now and make decisions on what makes you feel better. You have no control over what the future will bring. That, to me, would be the worst case scenario because we're reinforcing then actually not to make good decisions. We're reinforcing the use of that impulsive behavior. However, if we hold them accountable, then we're reinforcing the nature that it's important for you to think about the future when making your decisions in the now. And this is kind of becoming, it seems like, more common thought about the idea of sacrifice. If we want to create the best possible future, then we have to be willing to sacrifice in the now for something in the future. And, and I think that's a really important concept to think about. And that's what good decision making is. So first, we've got to teach them to be able to make a decision. Then we actually have to teach them how to make decisions. Then we hold them accountable for decisions. If we do that, then we are reinforcing the idea that they have a sense of agency over their future. They have a sense of control over their future. doesn't mean it's completely in the control because that's not the way the world works. But they have to realize that they make decisions and those decisions have a direct influence and impact on whether or not they can be successful. If I choose not to go to school and get my education and get my high school diploma, it's going to limit my opportunities in terms of, of getting jobs. It doesn't mean that I can't get a job. It doesn't mean I won't ever get a good job. It just means it reduces the possibilities. But if I go to school and I get my high school diploma, I then have more opportunities open up to me that I wouldn't have otherwise. And so we have to sacrifice the fun of now sometimes for the benefit of the future. And that's what this process is really about when you're helping your kids make good decisions. So the last and most important step in this paradigm of thinking is what do they need to learn? And this is actually what the parent was contacting me for. This is what our session was about today was, and I think this is, this is where a lot of parents get stuck. Parents often get stuck in what is the lesson that my child needs to learn. And so with this particular parent, and I think it's true for most parents is they got some news that their kid made a bad decision. And within that decision came all of these other stressors is, am I a bad parent? Do the people telling me think less of me? Is my kid on the wrong track? Is my kid going to succeed? What are we doing? Where are we messing up? So all of these external pressures compressing down on parents when things go wrong, and then oftentimes respond reactively. And this parent had, has done a good job because they were able to stop and think about this idea of what is it I need to do to teach my, what's the thing I need to teach my kid in this lesson? Now, the truth was they didn't know. They didn't know what to do, but they, A, they didn't overreact to their kid, which is a great step. And then B, they called and said, hey, could we meet so that you could help me think my way through this? And that is exactly what I'm here for, is to help parents think their way through hard things sometimes because it's not always easy to just come up with the answer. So the question on the table was, well, what do they need to learn? And that is the most important part. And so if your kid isn't bad, then what they need to learn is that their behavior is unacceptable. And what does that mean by unacceptable? And really, this is where trust consistently argue is the foundation of all it is, is because what happens is what makes it unacceptable is it undermine the trust between this mom and her child. So now when her child is in certain situations, she expressed a sense of worry about how he's going to behave and the choices he's going to make. 
So that undermining of trust is what makes the behavior unacceptable. Dr. Jordan Peterson talks in his book about don't let your kids do things that make you not like them. And I, I think these two things are about similar, is that what I deem as unacceptable are things that would make me not like my kid. And so then I don't let my kid get away with things that make me not like them. Because, and I believe that if my kids do things that I'm not going to like, the odds are that other people will, will appreciate the fact that they don't do the things that are quote unquote unacceptable. And so the hope is that he will learn to understand that when his choices, his decisions have a negative impact on the way in which people are willing to interact with him. And what happens is, is that when people don't trust him, then they're going to label him poorly. He is going to be seen as the kid who overreacts. He's going to be seen as the kid who makes bad decisions. So the question of what does he need to learn actually has nothing necessarily to do with the behavior itself. So his reaction and his choice isn't actually about that. It really comes down to how do I think about the future? Because a lot of his challenges are about thinking toward the future and what those consequences will have on myself, my family. This, I thought, actually was a very developmentally appropriate challenge for this mom and this kid. And they were in the right place and they should be exactly where they're supposed to be. And so now we gave her the same map that I'm giving you all today about develop their internal sense of control to teach them how to make decisions. And then she then has to hold them accountable for those decisions. And then the question is, well, what do they need to learn? Well, the lessons he needs to learn are about thinking toward the future in this instance, because he's six years old and it's developmentally appropriate. But I've met plenty of 18-year-olds. Uh, I've met adults who don't really actually know how to think through decisions, especially in moments where they feel compelled or they have an impulse to do a thing, is it doesn't mean it's always going to work out for you. So when you feel that impulsivity, you want to be able to stop long enough to think through the decision. And when you do that, you develop yourself to be someone of discipline. You are a disciplined person because then you don't often react to the things that most of the time you don't need to react to, but we do sometimes because we haven't learned a lesson sometimes because the pain that exists is still there sometimes because we are trying to escape something horrible. There's lots of reasons to respond impulsively and they're not good or bad. They just are. And so we want to teach our kids how to be disciplined so that when they face difficult moments, when they face difficult decisions, they can actually stop themselves long enough to think through the decision and then make a good one. And sometimes the right response to a decision is, hey, I need some help. I can't do this on my own. But that's another topic for another time. Thank you to my daughter again for participating and, and giving some insight into how nine-year-old girls think through relational challenges. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it was helpful. If you have questions, please feel free to, to submit them and I would glad to answer them and look for us on social media. And if you have questions or struggles, or if there's something you need help with, don't hesitate to reach out, schedule a call, schedule a session. And I would be glad to help you through any of the challenges you have with parenting children because it is not easy. So thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. 
I hope you realize that even thinking how your relationship with your child could be better is an important step in the process. If you'd like more information on building a strong relationship with your child, go to theparentingcoach.com to learn more. Please subscribe to the podcast or visit Brant the Parenting Coach on Instagram and Facebook. Have a great day.